Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. You have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to start in chapter 1, and I believe that God is going to really speak to us in this series, and again, this is built together, and this is a vision series, and, and I want to say the past three years, built together series and offerings have been infused with God's sovereignty and his miraculous leading during the days we find ourselves. And in the past, we focused on build together, and our church has become a building church. I believe this year, we need to begin to focus on together. If there's ever a time in our nation's history that we, the church, need to be together, it is now. There's so much division and confusion in the nation that I believe as a church, no one will be able to stop or hinder us if we are united it together and our focus is going to be on together and I want to together fill this city with the awareness of God through our content and our compassion our faith is stronger when we're united together than it is individually come on the Bible says one will chase a thousand two will chase ten thousand the business world calls that synergy it's one plus one actually equals three as we come together. Now our faith is stronger together and in this series I want you to know we're going to wrestle in wonder. Next week you do not want to miss we'll go to Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to watch and then we're going to wait. We're going to wait then we're going to watch. The third week we will do this. We will worship and we will witness and then the last on November 14th we will impart. I want you to get this. We will impart awareness and influence. So let's go to our theme verse. You're in chapter one, but I want you to quickly go to chapter two, and it's Habakkuk 2, 14. It says, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. Let's say it again. For as the waters cover the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of God. I don't know about you. Have you ever thought, what do we do when we don't know where God is? Habakkuk's message, I want you to really understand this, is the most succinct and clear for society and the church. The thought is, what do we do when God feels like he's far away and we feel like our prayers are hitting a ceiling. Have you ever thought that God's on a vacation, he's taking a power nap, and that every time you're praying, it hits a ceiling and it does not reach his ears? This book is, uh, uh, this book is a book of prayers and responses between God and the prophet. I want you to understand it. 
and it's only three chapters. So in this next weeks, I want us to read these three chapters over and over again. And I believe we're going to begin to get into a rhythm. You're going to hear his prayer. You're going to hear God's response. You're going to hear his prayer and you're going to hear God's response. And I'm telling you, if there was ever a time we are a praying people, we are going to pray and God is going to respond and God is going to intervene in our lives, in this church, in this state, in this nation, and in our world. Can you say amen? In this book, again, it's a book of prayers and responses between God and Habakkuk. Through Habakkuk and God's back and forth dialogue, incredible insight is given how to strengthen a faith that has been shaken. And today, the church in the United States, their, her faith has been shaken, but we're going to have insight how our faith could be strengthened from the inside out. Are you with me on that? Now, our times are much like the times of Habakkuk. We live in a world that seems to be going the wrong way, and it seems that people have forgotten God. Many are asking, where is God? Why does he allow so much overwhelming devastation? And why do the unbelieving and the, uh, those who do not believe in God continue to shape hearts? Now, get this. Habakkuk lived in the final days of the southern kingdom of Judah. And he is a contemporary with Jeremiah and Zephaniah. I want you to get this. Yet Habakkuk saw the earth being filled with the glory of God. Again, the book is a prophet's conversation between God and God's response. And it really is for our times. I want to say another one. Habakkuk is pressing into God. He's saying, God, where are you? And I want you to know, Israel or this prophet never dreamt that a foreign power within years, a couple decades, would come into their nation, into Jerusalem, and begin to take over that nation. And they never thought it would be imaginable, but it would end up happening. And can I say, it seems like America is in the same circumstance. Many of us say she may never again be the same. However, our God is a God of everlasting to everlasting. Can you say amen? And so we're going to start with Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1, then we're going to go to verse 5, then we will look at verse 12. Let me tell you what happens in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1, Habakkuk is going to cry out. Then God responds to him in verse 5. Then he begins to tell him about the Chaldeans or this foreign power that's going to come in, invade their nation and their lives or the Babylonians. Then God responds again. Then Habakkuk responds. So here we go. This is Habakkuk chapter 1. Look at verse 1. It says, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. I just want to stop right there. Usually you do not see an oracle, but you hear an oracle. And I believe in the days of confusion that we now live in, we are going to be like Job in the end of the book where he said, I heard of you with my ear, but now I have seen you with my eyes. We're going to begin not only to hear the word of God, but we're going to begin to see the word of God. Amen. It says, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw, how long? 
How long? And we've been praying this for at least 20 months. Oh, Lord, will I call out for help? And you will not hear. I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Then go down to verse 5. This is God's response. He said, hey, God, I'm crying. This isn't just talking, whispering, praying. He is crying out for God, for his people and his nation. And this is what God says in verse 5. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, and wonder why. Because I, God, am doing something in your days you would not believe if it were told you. And we're going to get to it. What was it that he was going to do in their days in a moment? Then drop down to verse 12. And we're going to begin to see this. This is Haggai's response. And he says this. uh, I love this. Verse uh, 12. It says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? Will we not die? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge. And you, O Rock, have established them to uh, correct. I want you to begin to get this. Again, in verse 1, it starts off. Habakkuk begins to cry and going, Hey, God. Where are you? Have you ever prayed that? God, where are you? Don't you see what is happening in our nation? And they literally could not believe that God looked like he was going AWOL on his promises and his word and his covenant. And Habakkuk's crying out and then God says, hey, I want you to look. You're going to be astonished and you're going to wonder. He says, what I'm going to do in your days. Now, this verse is quoted in Acts 13. And many times I have used this verse in a different way, not really knowing the context. I want to read this verse, verse 5. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days you would not believe if it were told you. And for me, when I would quote these words, I would think, oh, he's going to do something with Becky and I's finances. Oh, my word. He's going to do something so great in the church that the church, and I am believing, the reason why we're going to be giving sacrificially, I'm believing in the next 12 months that God is going to double the influence of this church and our attendance and our reach into this city. And I love these words because it says, my goodness, God is saying, hey, you wouldn't even believe it. You would begin to wonder if I even told you. And so, again, I have quoted this many times. Oh, God, you're going to do something great. You're going to do something big. But guess what? If you read in verse 6 and onward, he says this, I'm going to send the Chaldeans. And you say, who are the Chaldeans? The Chaldeans are the Babylonians. And the first time Babylon is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 11. Do you remember after the flood, the people of the land, Shinar, began to build a tower uh, up to the heavens and God came down and get this he said please get this he says the people are of one language and of one heart now anything that they desire to do it will not be withheld from them so let's go down and Babylon or confuse their languages can I say right now it is not flesh and blood we're fighting it's not political parties that we're fighting the devil's mode of conquering any people divided we fall united we stand are you with me on that And so he says this, and I want to tell you, if you read uh, up to verse 12, he says, these people are fierce. 
He said they all charge in. They take over homes. He said they go in and they're fast, they're fierce, and all of them are about violence. I have never seen so much violence in my lifetime in the nation that we live in. And God's saying, I am going to use this foreign power to literally get my will to be done. Now, I want you to begin to think about this. The name Habakkuk means to wrestle. The name Habakkuk means to wrestle. When you go to God and I go to God, have you ever wrestled that you start off in faith, but all of a sudden you find yourself in fear? Have you ever wrestled with God? And I put it this way, I doubt, but I believe. I have questions, but I trust. I'm afraid, but I have to wrestle that fear into a wonder or a faith of God. Are you with me? And what I love about Habakkuk is that he didn't just wrestle, he wrestled into, because the name also means embrace. My boys all wrestled. Jude went to state, Jake went to state, Jonathan went to state, and I used to love it. They'd do this, and they'd be right there, because when you begin to wrestle, please get this, these days are confusing days, but the devil cannot stop us from being near to God. We are as close to God as we want to be. And it's okay to bring questions to God. Habakkuk did that, but he began to wrestle because when you wrestle, you become near. And he's not the only person that wrestled with God. The first wrestler in the Bible is Jacob. And it was a dark night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And they began to wrestle. And it was the breaking of day. And Jacob said, let me go. The angel of the Lord, which is a God appearance, said, no. He says, let me go. Jacob says, no, I won't let you go until you bless me. And the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany, an appearance of Christ before he's virgin born, touches Jacob's hip. And the Bible says that the angel says, you're no longer Jacob. You will not deceive. Your name will be Israel because you've wrestled with God and people and you have prevailed. You are now a prince. I see that the church in our land is in a great wrestling. And I want you to know right now, this is not about mask and no mask. This is not even talking about the Babylonians who came in by force. They're now trying to make things mandatory. Can I say we are in a wrestling match, but it's not against other people. It is against the forces of hell that we already win. We're not fighting to get victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. Jesus already defeated the enemy, and we are wrestling to produce the victory of Jesus Christ in our lives, his church in this city. Can you say amen? And I want you to just write this down. Chaldeans, literally, they were charges. They were all violent. They were terrible, dreadful. They, they were swift. But he began to wrestle. And so what God was saying, I'm going to do something in your time that you would wonder. I'm going to allow this foreign entity to come in and try to control you. Your life and nation will not be the same. However, my will and my purpose will always prevail. 
Are you with me? Can you say amen? I want to give you uh, literally three things that Hezekiah I see in chapter 1. All right? I want us to go back to this verse, verse 12, and I want to read it again. Again, it starts off the oracle of Habakkuk in verse 1. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not say. And then God says, look, be astonished, observe, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days you would not believe even if I told you, and that was to bring Babylon, which means confusion. Then go and just, can I just stop right now in a time of confusion? You don't have to live confused. God is not the author of confusion. Can I say right now, the world may be confused, but I'm not confused. Are you with me? The world may be confused, but we're not confused. And the Bible says that the earth will be filled, not just the awareness, but the knowledge of God. Can I say in the days we're living in, I think we need to begin to read this book more than we have ever read this book. That as we read these three chapters, I believe God is going to give clarity to every area of our lives. So let's read again, verse 12. And this is his response. He said, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. He says, you, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to correct. And so I want you to begin to see this, how to begin to wrestle with God into wonder. All right, number one everlasting. God is everlasting. And when he says that, I want you to begin to feel this. You see, every nation, whether it was Israel, whether it's Babylon, Rome, Greece, even the United States of America, every nation has a beginning and many of them have an end. But yet God's purpose will always prevail in every nation. And you must know this. The Bible says, and I love what Moses said in Psalms 90. He says, before the mountains and the hills came forth. Oh Lord, you are from everlasting to everlasting. Can I say God was before America? God will be there after America. God is an everlasting God. And that's how Habakkuk begins to wrestle, when his faith is being shaken, when his heart is being ripped apart, when he's seeing violence at every corner, and the nation has gone astray, they're no longer a godly nation, he begins to say, wait, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And I love this. I want to just say this. When Becky, eight years ago, was going through chemotherapy. She was fighting lymphoma. She's now over eight and a half years cancer-free. The worst time when you go through something like that is at night. And so at night, I couldn't even listen to prophetic words that people had given us. I could only listen to the Bible. So on my iPhone, I would get one of my uh, beats, you know, the little things you put in your ear, and I would start off with the audio Bible in Psalms 1. And about 12.30 to 1 in the morning, I would wake up, and fear would begin to hit me. And I, Jake was in uh, high school. Jude was about 22 years old. John was 20. And you guys, I was wrestling with God. And I would wake up and I would literally say, if she passes away, what will my boys think of God? What would they think? We just started this church. And I kid you not, right when I would wake up, it would be in Psalms 90. In Psalms 90 starts off from everlasting to everlasting. 
You have been our dwelling place. Before the mountains were formed, you were always around. And this is how Psalms 90 ends. He says, let your work appear to our servants. Let your glory appear to our children. Get this, this is how it ends. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And you guys, all of a sudden, I went from fear. I went from doubt. I went from pain. And I wrestled with God through the scripture into a wonder. And you know what the enemy was trying to say? Oh, yeah, look what you've done for the Lord. You have been serving him. You prayed. Where did it get you? Can I tell you that is no way to think? It's time to wrestle with God through the word of God. And he said, he says, hey, establish the work of my hands. Can I tell you, eight and a half years later, Becky's healed. The boys are serving Jesus Christ, and he's established the work of this church. Can you say amen? And so I want you to write that down. God is an everlasting God. I like that. He says in verse 12, Are you not from everlasting to everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Number two, I want you to put this down. God is not only everlasting. I want you to really feel this. God has an eternal purpose. God has a purpose for you, and God has a purpose for me. I'm going to step back, and I'll tell you, I believe God has a purpose for the United States of America. And I want to publicly say, I do not think that purpose is over. I believe God chose this nation to be a light to the world in the nations. And you must know this. I love what Isaiah says. And I wrote this down in Isaiah 14, verse 26 and 27. It says, this is the purpose that's gone out to the whole earth. He says, God purpose. Will anyone annul it? Can a Republican stop the purpose of God? No. Can a Democrat stop the purpose of God? Can California stop the purpose of God? Can a governor stop the purpose of God? Can the devil stop the purpose? of God? No. Only you can stop the purpose of God in your life. But God's purpose is going to continue to march on. Come on. And I can tell you right now, one of the reasons we are not only going to fill in this blank and give because I want to partner with God. Please understand, God's purpose continues to march throughout history. But that does not mean that God's purpose for your life or my life will be fulfilled. We have to, number one, write this down. We have to come into alignment with God's purpose. Number two, we have to begin to agree with God's purpose. How many of you ever heard of Romans 8.28? Romans 8.28. I'm, I'm going to quote it for us. Romans 8.28 says this. It says, and we know that all things, everyone say all. all. Say it again. All. He says, and we know that all things work together for the good. I want to stop right there. All things don't work together for the good for everybody. All things do not work. To, he's saying, I could take anything that life a foreign power throws at you and I can work it for your good and my good. Here's it goes. Here it goes. All, and we know, that's faith, that all things work together for the good. For those who love God and not a calling, but the called according to his purpose. God's purpose has never changed. It was the same purpose with Adam and Eve before they sinned and did wrong. His purpose was the same literally after they sinned in the 
garden. His purpose was the same before Abraham, after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His purpose was the same for Israel, and his purpose was the same for the disciples in the church. God's purpose is, number one, that we in the whole world would come into a relationship with him. Number two, that we would become like him. Number three, that we would begin to rule with him. Come on, we want to rule and win in this life. And number four, that we be creative and multiply with him. Amen. And so we know that God's purpose will always prevail. Then this is the last one. I want you to get this. How we respond when God doesn't seem to respond is our choice. I want you to really get this. When, how do you act and how do I act when it seems like God's not listening, he's not answering, and he's not involved? Can I say, even when I'm unaware, he is always working in my life. And how we respond, it's our choice. And this is what I put. In one area of your life or my life, our life, do we need to shift our focus? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. What area in our lives, my life, that you need to shift the focus? Now watch, this is how the book ends. I mean, begins. He says, he starts crying out, basically, God, where are you? Habakkuk 1 says this, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw, how long? How long are you going to let this happen? Violence is everywhere. He says the law is now powerless. Talking about the word of God, it's powerless. It has no power in this nation. How long? And then in verse 5, God says this, look at what I'm doing. I'm going to do a work. I am convinced in the next four weeks, one goal for me, I'm shifting in a way I think. Instead of looking how long, which isn't a bad question. And the thing that I like the way he prayed, he didn't go and cloak it with the false spirituality. I'm good, I'm good. He said, hey, this is wrong. And God's not bothered by that. But don't let your questions and your wrestling bring you far from God. Let it bring you near to God. But I believe there has to be a shift right now. And I believe in our church, this will happen. That we're not just going to say how long, but we're going to begin to shift. God says, look at what I'm doing. And when it seems that we can't tell what God is doing, I'm telling you God is working. God is working in this church. God is working in us. And I want to fulfill my purpose for God. Something hit me this year. You may know it. I am 61 and a half. My dad passed away at 64. And so I've been thinking lately Two and a half years from now, I will be the age that my dad was when he went into eternity. And I thought, God, I want to make a difference in my day. I want to make a difference in my day. I don't know if you've ever studied the desert fathers or the monks of the past. If you go to Rome in the catacombs, they have a sign and it was written by the monks. It said, where you are now, we once were. And where we are now, eternity, you will be. And I thought, you know what? I love that Habakkuk said, we will not die. But yet John says this, and I want to quote this to you. I love what John said in the end. 
It says, if you hear my words and you believe, you have everlasting life and you shall not come into judgment, but it's passed from death to life. Do you know what? Eternal life doesn't begin when you pass away. When you accept Jesus Christ, you have everlasting life. And he says that you pass from death to life. And so you know what Habakkuk saw? Even though he saw the violence, he saw that God was going to work his purpose for his life, the nation of Israel. And through that, even in Acts 13, Paul is preaching that God's purpose prevailed because through Judah came Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid for our sins. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose again. He ascended. He now sits at the right hand of the Father and no weapon formed against us will ever prosper. We are in Jesus Christ. Come on. And so we can say when Habakkuk said, you will not die. But even when I do die, you know what D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said, hey, soon you'll read in the front page of the paper that D.L. Moody died. He said, don't believe it. He says, because at that moment, I will be more alive than I was on the earth. Can I tell you, our purpose in God goes way beyond our nation. I want to make a difference with my life. Come on. And this is the first time I've ever said this, but you know what I've been thinking? Because usually, again, look, I'm going to do a work in your days that if you told it, you would scarcely believe. And so again, for me, I'm thinking, okay, I want the church to double. I want to reach this many people. I want these many people to get saved. But lately, I've been thinking, you know what? You're going to be 70 before you know it. You only have about eight and a half years before you get the big 7-0. And I literally thought, I wonder what kind of 70-year-old man I'm going to be. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be godly and I'm going to be Christ-like and I'm going to be generous and I'm going to be participating with God and I'm going to be in the local church and you're going to see me fit at 70 but also loving Jesus Christ at 70 more than I've ever loved him. And at 70, I'm going to still wrestle with God. And he's going to still come near to me. And yes, when my questions come, it's not going to drive me away from God. It's going to cause me to get near to God. And when I draw near to him, he's going to draw near to me. And I figure when I'm 70, my Jack is going to be a teenager. And I thought, I'm going to have to be generous to him. I'm probably going to have to help him get a car. My Lucy will be about 12. Can I say I'm envisioning God began a good work in me. He's going to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, some people say the older you get, the bitter you get. Not this one. The older I get, the better I'm going to get. Come on. Are you with me? Everyone stand up with me. Will you take your envelope, build together? I have four things that I'm going to write my blank. One of them is a person that I am specifically believing that they will become aware of the beauty and the glory and the knowledge of God. This person believes in Christ and they believe in God. I was talking to them, I said, Jesus is like a hobby to you. It's like something you kind of do on the weekend. 
And it said, for me, Jesus is the center. In him I live, I move, I have my being. Everything from entertainment to work to relationship to love to my family. I want Jesus to be the center. And I'm praying in the next 12 months as I sow this seed, Becky and I, you, I, you mark my words, you know anyone that needs to make Christ the center. And I, I, I want you to know at the age of, again, I don't know why I keep telling my age, 61 and a half, I, God's not done with me. I want to become more like Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I am hungering and thirsting for the righteousness that comes from God, not from my own making. And I believe he will do that. Another thing, I'm writing two other things. And this is things that I'm asking God. And I know they will happen. Now, I'm not telling you because it's between God and I. But I learned something from Habakkuk. He cried out, God responded. He cried out, God responded. He talked to God and God spoke right back to him. And you know how the book ends? The book says, he will make my feet the feet of a deer and he will bring me to unaccessible places, high places in God. Over 41 years ago, I remember reading Hannah Hernard's book, Mountain's Feet on High Places. I prophesied to someone that which has been inaccessible to you, this year is going to be accessible to you. That which you couldn't achieve, in God you will achieve. Are you with me? Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, here we are and we come and speak to me, Lord. Impress on my mind. Impress on my heart. I want to be crazy generous in this build together offering. And God, you know the person that I am believing that they will become fully aware of who you are and they will respond to you. God, I'm praying right now as we together give, we will work, submit, and come in alignment with your purpose. God, we come near right now. And God, where we've doubted, we wrestle it into faith. God, where we've been angry or hurt, we wrestle it into peace. And God, forgiveness. God, we pray now that we will wait, we will watch, we will wrestle, we will wonder, we will worship, and we will witness the glory of God beginning to touch our city, our state, and most of all, our nation, O oh Lord. God, we thank you that as we participate on November 14th, it will be supernatural, supernatural, supernatural. It may be a son, it may be a daughter, it may be a spouse, it may be a neighbor, it may be a friend, it may be a sibling, but I believe they'll become aware of the very knowledge of God. If you're in high school, I challenge you, give, give in this and see God touch a friend of yours in Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, I wanna ask you this. If you've never made Jesus number one in your life, or let's say it this way, he's more of a hobby, he's more of a God for the weekend. God wants to be involved in your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, and your Saturday. God wants to be involved in our lives when it's good and when it's bad. And you're saying, I want to make Jesus Lord. I, I want to give him access to every area of my life. 
not just a little bit of me, all of me. That's when we mean lordship, is that we're giving him access to every part of our lives. If that is you, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to raise your hand when we get to three. You're saying, hey, God, not a hobby. God, I believe in you, but not just for the weekend. I want to give you access to all of my life. I want to come into alignment with you. We're going to count to three, and you'll raise your hand. One, and on three, you'll raise your hand. Two, three, just raise your hand if you want to make Jesus Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Stomp, shout, cheer. Will you all pray this with me? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I've done wrong. But I ask you now, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And I confess it with my mouth. And I am forever saved. You are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.